0: I like that question. I've said that so much, but it's true. It's really relieving to know that my father, who was a fucking genius, had that stuff in him
1: too. Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. Welcome back to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people, by creative people. I'm Christopher Tallon. I'm creative. I'm a writer. I have a book out. I do all the music on this show, and uh, I like talking to other creative people. Today, you're going to get to listen to me talking to Marston Hefner. Yes, you recognize that last name, and as you heard from the intro... His father is the famous Hugh Hefner. We talk about that a little bit, but quickly move through it into some other things that are, I think, more interesting. Marston is a writer. He's got a book of flash fiction that will be out very soon. Good chance by the time you're listening to this, it'll be out already, unless you hear it in the first two days that it comes out. If you hear it in the first two days, pre order the book. It's called High School Romance by Marston Hefner. So we're going to talk about uh, that book, his writing process. What it was like growing up the son of Hugh Hefner. What it was like to reflect on that as an adult and write about it. And yeah, really just get into this guy's brain. He's he's a gamer, professional backgammon player. Not, not the sort of person who enjoys the, the things you might assume he would based on his last name. But really, more than anything, he's just a very creative guy. And a good hang too, man. He's fun to talk to. So, no further introduction. I'm just going to go ahead and send it off to the interview So ladies and gentlemen, go out there and pre-order and or buy a copy of High School Romance by my next guest, Marston Hefner. a freshman in college you said right yes so what was your kind of a main creative outlet before that or did you really have one I think I was really I get obsessed
0: with things and so I was really obsessed with like humanitarian work I was like really into stopping the genocide in Darfur yeah yeah yeah, yeah so I was like a member of the Human Rights Student Task Force. I also, I think I view things as, like, creative, even if traditionally they're not considered creative. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah like I, I think played, I know what
1: you're talking about, but please do elaborate on that.
0: Yeah, sure. Like, I, I played video games, um, and I also was just like, I guess that's a good question. Like, what was my creative outlet back then? Because, I, I mean, if my, you really
1: didn't have one, then... It's not a surprise to see you blossoming, you know, relatively young into starting things. Because let's see, you were, what, 18, 19 as a freshman in college? Did you start a little uh, different time than the traditional student? I, I started around 18, 19, yeah. Yeah, okay. So then, really, you had been writing seriously for maybe a decade, and now you're getting published. And a lot of people say that it takes them, you know, years and years and oh I didn't get published until I was in my 50s you know that kind of thing so it it's not a surprise to see that you have so so much coming out of you if it uh, had just been sitting there you know kind of dormant for a long time that's true yeah I think that's an interesting way to look at it for sure I can yeah yeah I'd always been into writing but just kind of as like a, a passive hobby not as something that I ever took serious because I think you know my dad was a computer programmer. My mom was uh, like a like a a business accountant not a not a chartered account or whatever you call them. And they were always yeah. kind of like, you know, you get a you get a job, you you work and that's just kind <laughs> of a thing you do for fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's always fun, right? Like the things that you do for fun, like you can't do for like a career. Like we're kind of taught that.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then you get older, especially now, because when I was really young, um, let's see, I'm I'm a little older than you. I'm just turned 39 um but when i was really young i i told people like what do you want to do when you get older i said
0: i want to be a writer and talk to people and
1: they're like well that's not a thing but like that's what yeah. i do now <laughs> you know yes. so i don't know if if you if you stick with your passions you know even if you're not really sure what they're for i think they kind of pan out for you in the long run
0: i totally agree with that and i think like what you said really resonates with me where you know you have to be fifty in order to be like especially in our work. I feel like all my friends are kind of miserable in their jobs, <laughs> yeah. and I think it kind of comes with the territory of like my
1: age group, like I think that people miserable or completely consumed and like i I know some people very good people, but yeah, all they talk about is, oh, my job's doing this, oh, we landed this project now we're doing <laughs> this, we just got this bid for this, and it's like that's that's basically become their life as their job yeah yeah i think a writer hits their peak like in their 50s
0: like yeah i think most people are more comfortable with their career like at 50 but we're kind of like told like when you're 30 you're a genius and that's when you're on the new york times as far as i know like that's not the case
1: yeah yeah i don't know man i uh i'm relatively new into it i got into professional writing doing blogging and SEO stuff. And oh, uh, SEO stuff. That's a whole trip. I just yeah, heard it's, about that. It's cool, you know, and it's it's helped me um do outreach for the podcast and now for the for the book and stuff, you know, when I right. put out blog posts and structure them just so you'll see a spike in sales or a spike in downloads. So it's it's fun to have that talent. But again, mm-hmm. that's just coming from being like, I want to be a writer and people being like, well good luck with that. And so you get in where you fit in and then you get the chance to write your uh, your fun fiction and stuff like that yeah let's talk about your fiction i shouldn't say fiction because some of these stories in um the collection is called high school romance and so is one of the stories in the collection correct yes yeah so um some of this stuff seems super you autobiographical some seems like maybe informed by real life but not necessarily real life and some just seems straight fiction obviously you know Elon Musk living on the moon kind of stuff but um, uh, yeah so how would you label this book as far as, you know, it's a collection of short stories, but is is it autobiographical? Is there memoirs or is it all straight fiction, but just varying levels of fiction?
0: Yeah, I'd say, well, first of all, if I wanted to sell this book, I'd say it's like just nonfiction. All of it's nonfiction. I think the truth is that it's very personal. On a very deep level, it's like very personal. However, I would call this literary fiction like but then there is there's auto fiction as well where it's like i take the truth and then i add a detail that never happened and then like you call fiction like i feel like in workshops we all kind of knew like creative non-fiction yeah creative non-fiction some stuff i'd say like there's creative non-fiction in there as well um yeah i can't really say like which one Are creative nonfiction and which ones aren't because I don't want to get into trouble but (laughs) yeah yes
1: I don't want to sit here and talk about your literal family history too much because I'm sure you get that enough but the story of family history that feels like even if it's not um, frame by frame exactly what your real life is like that seems like at least from my perspective being somebody who doesn't know you personally a pretty honest look into what it at least felt like growing up in an atmosphere where your father is not just a famous person but a person who's like you know people dress like him for halloween you know what i mean that's yeah
0: that's a good point i was trying to to describe that
1: that to somebody when i was saying that i was going to interview i was like i'm not really sure if you can even say what is it like to grow up that way because when you grow up that way you don't (laughs) i don't know if you know if you're growing up that way or if because you know what little bit i've researched about you it looks like you've kind of lived in that spotlight if you will and then also lived quote more of a normal life too so did you have that perspective on the life that you were living at at uh, at one time as being not normal for most people yeah it's interesting i think the older i get the less normal it seems yeah
0: growing up as a kid like literally if you think about it like i'm only at my dad's house and i'm only seeing the peacocks and i'm seeing the flamingos the monkeys that's yeah. my normal that's my reality every day i'm like exploring the whatever um and then i go over to like other really rich kids houses which is like not the same as my dad's house but like similar enough and so yeah, yeah. i grew up in this really strange bubble that like you know i'll go up to my fiance who grew up in like middle upper middle class chicago and Mm. i'm still like to be honest with you i'm still asking her questions like the fact that she didn't grow up in a mansion is still like foreign to me like the fact that people grow up on like in neighborhood blocks you know i just don't that was never my experience so yeah you know it's just very interesting to me
1: yeah yeah Yeah, and I don't pick up the sense like, dude, that's gross, like in a snobby way, but just like, hey, man, you know, when you're a kid, what your life is, that's what seems normal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to think how to ask a question about that story since I don't, like you said, you don't want to. That story, go for it, man. It is a very personal story and it is is nonfiction. So, yeah. Basically, what I want to know is I think that story is a really great way to kind of get into a question of what's it like to grow up with Hugh Hefner as your dad. Sure. And did you also, I guess to God, there's like five questions in this one question. Maybe I'll edit it down to one, but um, (laughs) does does any part of you write something like that? Because people are always saying, Oh, what is it like? What is it like? Or is that simply just a a, a personal expression that you felt you needed to say?
0: I like that question. There you go. Um, I like never write about my family. Like that's like the only story that i wrote about my family and then i threw it away and i don't know how but it got into the hands of my publisher who's like also my best friend so he's not trying to like make a dollar off of me
1: yeah that's nice yeah
0: yeah he said you know
1: this is fucking good
0: um and anna my fiance also that's like one of her favorite stories and so i said okay so i'll publish it and and i did it just pretty much off of like the faith of this day like other other people that i trust but maybe because it's such a personal topic um and it's just so bizarre like i'll give you an example i was i was trying to write about my passion for video games why i love them and how important they are to me Hmm. and i was writing about me as when i was like five years old and my nannies. And my nanny's boyfriend were playing Zelda and Super Mario World. And it's like mm. a very fond memory. Like some of the fondest memories I have are sitting there watching them play. Yeah. And then like in that story, I mentioned like there are security cameras in my bedroom watching me and my brother sleep at night to make sure that like nothing bad happens to us. And there are these two large cameras on either side of the room just like watching us 24-7. Hmm. And I was like, this totally detracts from like the point that I'm trying to make, which is like Nintendo is really awesome. And I'm glad <laughs> that I had like a great childhood like watching because <laughs> yeah. everybody's going to be thinking, what the fuck are those security cameras doing there? Like, you know, yeah. so I think it's kind of like that.
1: great job whenever you're writing from the perspective of someone's child whether they're an actual child's child or just a person's child the the story that you have about the the mom talking about music and otis writing and stuff that you know it just strikes a very personal chord but how how do you dig into the into those memories and then how do you reflect upon them differently now as you're older yeah it's a good way to say it um i guess there's no other way to
0: get around this stuff uh my dad there was a documentary that came out about my dad that was like it was basically trying to cancel him it was it came out like recently and it was like a lot about him kind of taking advantage of women being a master manipulator all these things right and then at the same time like so on one hand everything that's in within me that's within this book that I'm trying to redeem and reflect on and like say this, I'm normal and I'm a good person. And all of that was also within my father. And I didn't realize that when I was growing up, I just knew that this was whatever it was. I was processing my life at the moment. I think I was just like being a teenager, thinking about my life, but like looking at that show and then reflecting on my book, it's like, all of the demons that I've been grappling with and trying to love within myself, it's really relieving to know that, like, my father, who was a fucking genius, like, had that stuff in him, too. Yeah. And so this kind of been, like, a consolation in a way. Um, hmm. Interesting. And, and seeing both the good and the bad aspects of him, I kind of had to come to terms with, like, my father wasn't only evil, My father wasn't only a really good person. He was, you know, somewhere in the middle.
1: Yeah. Well, you write so beautifully about um, your parents and both, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses and how that uh, how that worked to bring them together and ultimately separate them. It's just a very, very powerful piece. And, you know, even the fact that there's no names in it and anybody could pick that up and read that. And that could be anybody's parents. You know what I mean? That's. Yeah, that's pretty impressive from a writer's point of view that you were able to take something that as we've already established was quite a unique experience and make it feel uh very relatable. So hats off to you on that. Yeah. I think my dad was kind of like
0: still a old male, like father who didn't, wasn't very like affectionate. Yeah. Um, and I think like a lot of kids, my age, and by the way, my dad said, I love you. He was like, he gave me hugs like, okay, he, he had warm, there was warmth to him, but also there was like a solitary, he was like an Island in a lot of ways. And I think like a lot of people in our age group, like relate to their fathers kind of being like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely do. Cause my, my mom was always the one who was like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Give me a hug. I love you. It's, (laughs) it's fine. You're a special person. You know, like that kind of thing. And my dad was like, you're going to be all right, son yeah on okay, the back yeah. you know i love you yeah okay yeah. Dad. <laughs> um all right well let's talk about more of uh this book and how it came to be you mind if i take a bathroom break real quick yeah i'll be here when you get back okay thank you
0: hello welcome back how's your book going by the way congratulations and
1: Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, so far so good. I uh, I did self publish it, so by yes. self publishing terms, it's it's going really well. I <laughs> I did a brag post today saying that you know I already sold more books than ninety percent of independent writers, but a lot of independent writers don't know the first thing about marketing. That's true. Or putting together a good book, or have any kind of audience reach going into it. Yeah, you know, I started the podcast thinking that I would do it a year before the book came out and it ended up being two years, but it all worked out okay anyway. And I've got a little bit more of an audience that I would have had at a year and the podcast has gone well. And now I get to talk to fun people from all over the world, like you and uh, all the other fun people I've got to talk to, so. Nice, well, I'm pro brag posts, so. (laughs) Yeah, happy for you. And speaking of which, I saw an Instagram post. I saw one post where you were on a climbing wall and you were hanging from that thing for a minute. Oh yeah, I love rock climbing. Are you into the outdoors and stuff, by the way? I am. I'm not uh I'm I've been rock climbing in a in a rock climbing gym before a couple of times, but I've I'm not really a rock climber, but I love hiking and backpacking and uh the occasional canoe and kayaking type thing, yeah. That's good, man. That's you got good priorities in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd rather spend money on um My wife and I both have kind of a it's better to try to set yourself up with experiences than things. So some people are like, Oh, I just bought a new phone and it got the new computer and I synced up the watch to it. And I just got a thing that's going to go in the golf bag and I'll be able to program. my." It's like, okay, smart golf bag. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's great. I went, I went backpacking. I went to a, you know, a cultural center. Like I'd rather do those kinds of things, I guess. But yeah, same. Yeah. From what I, from what I gather of you, um, like in the back of the book, it says that basically just kind of a gamer, nerdy guy that likes to hang out at home. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry,
0: accurately uh, describes me. Actually, yeah, I didn't. That's I
1: didn't I, whenever I say nerdy, I don't mean nerdy in a bad way. Somebody said nerd is not a pejorative word; it's a just a lifestyle word. Dork is a a bad word. <laughs> I get that. So it yeah, made, I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I'm a am a nerd too. I mean, I obviously I write sci fi and I host a podcast. Yeah. So. um but yeah let's get into some of the process stuff with your collection here you don't have a specific style in terms of like presentation on the page there's some stuff in here that's all lower caps minimal uh, commas and things like that and then you've got some that's in all caps and then you've got some that's more traditional looking in terms of approaching something stylistically do you kind of have an idea how you want it to look or does the look come after the story or how does the story meet the style visually it's
0: a good question i think it's just come from passion like i read gordon lish i love gordon lish or I read Gertrude Stein. I love Gertrude Stein and I Mm. pick up on what they're doing and I think, Oh, I could do that really well. Like the repetition, for example. So I think of it kind of like a video game. I'm playing this video game and within that video game of repetition, I can do whatever I want. My character is, it's about mastering my character within this structure. So I think I kind Mm. of thought about it that way. And it all just came from like, just genuinely enjoying the styles, I'd say, or in being inspired
1: by the styles. So when um, uh, the moon is a tapestry. Yeah, the very first one. Yes. So <clears throat> when you start a, a story like this, well, just before you even start any story, are you the kind of guy that likes to write things by hand? Are you all on the computer? Because I personally have yellow legal pads yes. and a, a, a G2 pen. I write everything by hand. Then I type it in. And then I you know, edit and fix and go from there. What's uh, what's kind of your outline for how you start writing, regardless what it is? Hand is the good life. I mean, I love writing from
0: hand. Yeah. It feels so much more natural. When I wrote these books, I only wrote from mouse and keyboard and computer, but now I do some light scribbling on, uh, on computer to like fill out my worlds and better understand like kind of everything that maybe the reader doesn't see, but that's important to to the writer to know i really like i didn't do it for that book but now i do
1: yeah it's funny that you say that too because the last uh the last writer that i talked to was saying stuff about uh researching books and he said you know you do a hundred percent of the research and only maybe ten percent of it goes into a book but it's something that's important to know because Having all the ideas that maybe don't even necessarily have to come across to your reader, it gives us a, a sense of more confidence in the person telling the story. Totally agree with that. I think that the people you have on here are really smart. I was also
0: listening to Scott Thompson, and he was making a lot of sense as well. Yeah,
1: Scott Thompson from New, uh, uh, not New Kids on the Block, Kids in the Hall. Uh, was that his name? It, it
0: was your last podcast with your friend slash supporter. You were talking about his book
1: oh oh oh! brandon scott Brandon
0: scott there it is sorry brandon
1: (laughs) yeah brandon scott he's a real good yeah yeah um yeah no when you said scott thompson i was thinking of uh the i don't know if he's the only gay guy from kids in the hall but he's the most flamboyant definitely (laughs) yeah yeah i love that show it's back on um amazon too i don't know if you were ever a kids in the hall fan but they they made another season i think i'm too young for it i'm 32 so i don't remember kids in the hall I remember yeah, Fresh Prince yeah, and were, all that. They were on when I was in middle school and I'm like six, seven years older than you. So yeah, that probably would have been just a little bit out of reach. But if if you're looking for something funny to watch on uh, Amazon Prime, kid's in the hall. All right. <laughs> right. Okay, so you uh mostly have been writing at least the stuff that's in high school romance, which are mostly shorter for the most part. Mm, yeah. That was very redundant how I said that. Bruh. Most of these are are shorter, you know, a couple pages. So you know when i write something that's really short too a lot of times i'll do it on a keyboard but um i'm curious when you write these did you write them with publication in mind did you write them with putting a collection together eventually or did you just end up with some stories and go oh i should put these together
0: yeah that's a i like that question i i've said that so much but it's true so i went on a recent a uh, weed trip. I took the higher dosage than I than I usually take because I wanted to feel a little
1: freaky. And wait, a witch trip? A weed, like a marijuana trip? Oh, okay. Am I allowed to it, say it got just a little? No, no. Yeah, you can okay, say cool. fuck. You can say anything you want on this one. I just wanted to make sure that I heard you right because I, I didn't know if you said ayahuasca, mushrooms, or weed. So I didn't know. Gordon said no. Yes. Um, yeah. And
0: and I basically just put like on my on the piece of paper like why do I write and Mm. um I meditated on that and I think you lost your mind for a week yeah then I became really paranoid (laughs) and I never came back uh but the answer that came to me was finished over and over again in my head it was just finished 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 over like (laughs) I couldn't get out of my head and the notion was, I think, for this book, that I was swinging for greatness. I was swinging for to be the very best writer that I could be. And I wanted to be like 500 years ahead of my time. And that's like the truth. And that was, I think, what motivated me. I could bring it down a little bit and say, maybe I wanted to be the best writer in my demographic, like in my age group. Um, yeah. And I needed that I needed to get that out of my system. Like this book was crazy ambitious and now it's like out of my system. And that was what finished meant is, it's just like, okay. Um, the reason why I wrote before, the reason why I wrote high school romance, the ambitions I had for it, like that, those aren't my motivations anymore as much. Still, ob- obviously I'm human. I have ego. It's not as much.
1: Anytime anybody creates something, they want somebody to go, that's good, and mean it. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there's no, well, I mean, I was going to say there's no ego in that. There's definitely ego in that, but you, <laughs> it seems like a healthy amount. Yeah. Yeah. And that was something else, too, that uh, I've talked about with a couple other writers, is when you sit down to write, you kind of have to trick yourself into believing that you're as good as it gets so that you can get out of your own way and right so you know if you someone says I, I want to be the best at something you know you can look at that as being like well that's kind of pretentious but nobody says it's pretentious when somebody wins the MVP award in, in sports or something oh well, that guy he's just driven you know yeah exactly and then it's the next step for me is like why not me yeah Like most people go
0: Well,
1: that's not me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people, too, I think, especially if they're talented, some people are, for whatever reason, afraid of their own talent. Yeah. Or afraid of, it might be a a 50-50, too, afraid of your own talent, but also afraid of not being, you know, received as well as you hope to be. Yeah. But I don't know, man. That's that's hard for anybody how do how do you kind of put that aside especially since you know going by your last name that's gonna put a little bit of extra attention on you anyway yeah so how do you go you know like, what screw whatever expectations people, people might have. have screw whatever expectations i have i just got to get this out of it yeah or does it do you not even really think about it that much because i know a lot of writers are very you know very like they have to get out of their own way it's a whole process yeah let me know if i'm getting near to what you're asking
0: which is basically I feel like I kind of had a hostile perspective towards the reader because of my last name I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people kind of just go oh he's
1: just
0: a rich famous kid or he's just the son of a wealthy famous guy and so it's not like I consciously bring that to the table but I think that in high school romance there is like kind of passive aggressiveness towards the reader I think that in my newer writing, I've kind of just evolved. Not evolved. I don't want to say that I'm like an evolve, like. But I just moved away from. um To enjoy something now is just like creating a world that's not Earth. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Earth kind of sucks in a lot of ways. You know, like fuck <laughs> Earth, bro. Like, take me to fucking yeah.
1: Tolkien land or wherever the hell we're going. But yeah, I just bought a shirt at Goodwill the other day. <laughs> It's got a, a person underneath a UFO. They're waving their hands. And it says, <laughs> take me with you. I hate it here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's what gets makes
0: me happy now. Yeah. Calling the Summoning the aliens.
1: That's interesting that you say that you'd have kind of a passive-aggressive, if not hostile attitude towards the reader. Because I don't know that I necessarily picked that up. But, you know, the author's intention isn't always... It really I'm glad you didn't important to the reader either. Um but it, you, you definitely have a style in, in this book that's it's not just simple storytelling like there's definitely an emotional charge behind all of it. So maybe that emotion that I feel is just you know just the the other side of that stick that you're coming from. Mm, I hear you. I don't know if that makes sense to you or if <laughs> if uh if you agree with that at all but um well it would be nice if if the reader doesn't feel like I'm like
0: actively like trying to poke them in the eye. So that's good that you didn't feel that way. <laughs>
1: stuff that you're writing now uh similar in terms of like the length or have you thought about doing something like novella or novel length
0: yeah i've thought about it i'm just like i don't really like to talk about what i'm working on now because i don't want to jinx it but no tell me it's really it's it's very very different and it's big and yeah it's a nice vacation from what i've been doing for like
1: really long time so it sounds like a, a lot of high school romance was kind of therapeutic to you now do you do you feel different in uh in your approach or your attitude to writing because i know some people depending on what they're writing or maybe what they've just finished working on and going into a new project sometimes have different levels of enthusiasm towards it sometimes it's like dude i just couldn't i couldn't stop writing yeah. And sometimes it's like yeah i managed a page yeah um for high
0: school romance i really enjoyed every not every step of the way but i did enjoy it i The main goal of it was to like, enjoy the process while it was happening, while I was writing and, um, and then to go back and find those parts that like actually communicated that feeling to the reader. Yeah. I think I've just been like, I've been working on it for so long. I've been doing flash fiction for like, you know, seven years. And so it feels good to kind of like have this book and then, okay, it's finished. (laughs) yeah i've been working on it so long
1: man no i hear you i can't remember who said it but somebody famous from history said something to the effect of writing a book is the closest thing a man will ever know to being pregnant yeah which i think is about as true as anything because man you just you have this thing inside of you and you're excited about it and then it gets to the point where you just are getting frustrated with it and you want to be done with it <laughs> yeah and you've been talking about this book for um, a little while on social media how long did it take you to actually um start and then finish the process that you know yeah resulted in this book that i'm holding it's a really small book and it's taken me like 8 7 to 8 years to write i
0: first started the first draft came out in january 2014 yeah it's been it's it's the best stuff that i could make all in a little ep album
1: yeah was it kind of like a i'm trying to think like a beatles album where some of some of their albums you'll see like you know we recorded these 18 songs and these 12 made it did it did you have a hard time paring down what was going to get in there or did you just have like these several pieces that you're like i'm just going to hyper focus on these
0: no it's a good question i had like a thousand stories and like you know 13 of them made it through so like my joy is to just write, right? Yeah. Just write all the time. If I worked on 13 stories for like seven years, I think I'd go crazy. <laughs> so it was just like a lot of swing and misses. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, not even that I thought that that's all you would put out in that amount of time. Yeah. But like, um, I guess I just didn't know how much time you actually spent once you had a, a selection, then figuring out, you know, how to eventually format it how you wanted it to look on the inside getting somebody to do that well i guess you probably didn't get somebody to do the cover the publisher probably does all that stuff right yeah
0: it's really helpful to have like a publisher who knows what they're doing because they like made it look nice and pretty yeah
1: yeah like and yeah yeah you have a beautiful book
0: yeah thank you i i agree and they did a great job with it and nicole caputo did the um the cover artwork for it and it looks
1: special yeah (laughs) and i like the uh i like the blurb on the back too (laughs) fucking amazing (laughs) dude that's awesome rag post if i I, exactly if i if i could get somebody to say my book was fucking amazing in print i would put it on mine too (laughs) the books started coming together in kind of the form that we know it now when when was the when did the real momentum get started on the publishing thing let me think about this before i answer
0: I'd say that they signed me in 2017 or 2018 thereabouts and I was working on a backgammon book that was just like awful and um (laughs) and I thought it was amazing you know I was like oh this is the best book ever if you don't understand it then you don't understand me and like my publisher was like okay man like maybe we can go with this and then I was like oh I'm an idiot like this book sucks. And I had this like darling, like this book, high school romance that like Giancarlo de Trapano really loved. And if you guys don't know who that is, he's the guy who did Tyrant Books, which is like a the biggest indie publisher that you guys don't care about because you do sci-fi and fantasy or whatever. <laughs> but um which is awesome, by the way, I'm not I I read that shit now all the time. So it was like my baby, right? Like I knew this was a good yeah. book. Gian loved it and i didn't want to like i didn't want to give it to clash you know i was kind of ego there's anna in the background yeah i was kind of egotistical he says hi i was kind of (laughs) i was kind of egotistical where i was like this book is too good for this press and Mm. i was like you know what i have i just came to the understanding. was like this is my best friend um And he's growing this press, like he's legitimately putting in the work. And by the time that this book is ready, the press is going to be ready. Like I knew I had a feeling like by the time that high school, yeah, I'm going to repeat myself and you're going to, you were going to edit me there. Um, (laughs) So I was like, I put my faith and my intuition and it came true. Like Clash is very well respected now. So
1: out. Yeah. How did you, you said that, um. Your publisher was somebody that you knew aside from publishing before, or they have since become your best friend,
0: yeah I've since become my best friend. We just gelled um upon after I submitted a piece to the, after I submitted to them, oh, oh, okay. they're like a husband and wife duo, and they started like grassroots, like kind of how you're starting your podcast um yeah, and they just like went to a ton of conventions they like trial and errored it, you know, and they just improved, improved, improved.
1: and Yeah, that's awesome. Because yeah, you need people really for anything are willing to put in the long work and do things wrong, which, you know, that's something that maybe we can talk about too. General, most people don't like writing. I would say maybe second to how much they don't like doing math. But there's there's something about the way that people teach writing, yeah, or at least the way that a lot of people teach writing that you're doing it wrong. Doing it wrong. You're doing doing it wrong. And it's impossible to fall in love with something when someone's just constantly telling you you're doing doing it wrong. Fix it. it. You're doing doing it wrong. wrong. So that's for me a large part of why I rejected well school in general writing and and those kinds of things i can't go on a rant about how fucked up that stuff is school school is awful the way they yeah. teach you like books like you're reading
0: frankenstein and they're teaching you to like hate like how could you hate frankenstein i don't know but mrs Carlyle found a way to make me hate frankenstein i mean it's wild
1: <laughs> yeah it definitely impeded me from um becoming a serious writer sooner yeah uh, because on top of people saying like, well, that's
0: not a realistic thing,
1: but then also anytime you hand in something, somebody just red pens the shit out of it and doesn't tell you like, this was really good. This was really good. You could work on this or just like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's too late. You can't fix it now. What do you, uh, did you have similar experiences in school or were you actually a pretty good student as far as I was an awful student.
0: Of- I had ADD. Yay. Me too. I was undiagnosed with ADD. Um my mom, you know, she has her own Mishigasa, she blind spots and she never got me help. And so I was just like going through school, like not being able to focus on anything. She got me teachers that I was always running away from the teachers because they wanted to get me into trouble. They wanted I've had something missing. And I got to tenth grade and something just happened in my brain where I was like, This just doesn't make sense. I want to learn. I know if I could do it, I would probably enjoy it. Like, so I kind of had to be my own like parent and go. Mom, like I want to go to therapy and I want to be diagnosed. I want to be tested for ADD. I got on medication, and that's really like actually the spawn of like me becoming a writer. I wouldn't be able to sit down and like enjoy what I do if I didn't have like help with my ADD.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um shit. That made me think of a question too. Um oh. It's not totally related to what we were talking about, but I played a lot of video games uh growing up to the point where like I would sneak into play video games when everyone else was asleep and thought that I was also asleep <laughs> and would stay up and play video games till the sun came up. Yes. And and some people would argue that video gaming makes somebody have an ADD brain or a neurodivergent brain or whatever. And some people say, no video games are just that like visually and mentally stimulating that somebody with that kind of brain just gravitates to it. What do you think? I think the science is showing that what the latter, which is that they're actually paying attention
0: for very long periods of time when, when they're, Playing video games, and so whatever like are very long periods of time sometimes, yeah, too long, you know, but um yeah, like what you're doing is you're paying attention to one thing, and so I guess if you think about it in the m r i scan, it's going to show like this person's paying attention for a long time, um yeah, the good the so it's not like technically that should be able to cross over to other parts of your life, um. Mm-hmm. I think that people with ADD though, like it's not going to work with like books, like sitting down in a cubicle day after day, like a nine to five, someone with ADD is just going to like go insane. But if you gave them like a bow, a hunting bow, or if you were Amish, you gave them a fishing rod, like they'll be able to pay attention as long as they want. So it's really just about like figuring out what someone with ADD or whatever they have, like what does that person gravitate towards?
1: Yeah. And I've, I've found it difficult. Well, I found it nearly impossible to be as productive without um, ADD medication. But what I have found is that like with a a little bit of like mix of meditation and getting rid of certain stimulations and, or stimuli (laughs) uh, and embracing other ones, like certain kinds of music or sounds then I can get into a deep state of focus. Yeah. But if there's like, I was telling you before I've been frazzled all summer. Cause my kids are all home all the time. And that's been my time to do my, <laughs> my creative thing. Um, fuck. I had a question coming in here somewhere. And then on this long rant, I lost it. Did you feel a question coming in there somewhere? Well, not a question, <laughs> but just that, you know, you were talking about like, Kind of reducing the like noise that's around you. Yes. Thank you. There you go. So I don't know. Do you, do you have a, for me, when I write, I typically will put on like a YouTube video that's timed an hour, two hours, three hours, and I'll put on like Skyrim music or something like that and try to have as little other visual stimulation as possible. Yeah. Shut windows, that kind of thing. Do you have a something like that that you have to kind of like, create your little atmosphere before you can really get going on something oh i should because i look at my phone too much like when i don't have yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: when i don't have my phone and like i'm writing like i notice i'm much more productive
1: which is another reason why i have to do everything by hand first too because yeah. otherwise i'll see the the blue or the red lines under things and i start going oh is that the wrong word instead of just thinking like what next?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the fun of being neurodivergent, I guess, right? (laughs) Oh, we were going to talk about it, and then we didn't actually get too deep into it. The first story in the book, where it's uh, two men and a woman on the moon, one of them is Elon Musk, one of them is the person telling the story and uh there's a dispute about who should be with the woman uh when you come up with something like that you write very i mean a lot of the stuff that you write is very just kind of emotionally naked and out there but is it weird even when you're writing something that's as you know far fetched as three people on the moon and one of them's Elon Musk and you're in a struggle for for who's going to get the girl the the emotion that's there with the the wanting and the the rejection and uh, needing a sense of just feeling like home. What's the what's the way to come at that? When you're writing stuff like this, whether it's directly personal to you and it seems like life or whether it's not at all, does it feel weird being as emotionally raw and naked uh, and putting that out there for other people to see even when it's, you know, a little bit more fictiony or not?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think they, I definitely have that feeling um i think i have that fear and then i just think about courage i think courage is like a really wonderful aspect of my life right now even with psychedelics but also just like with working out my stuff and so i think i like worked like with these stories i wasn't scared while i was writing them i was thinking holy shit this is really fun or holy shit this is really good like writing a high yeah i was writing a high and then it's done you know some of them i revised a lot and then it was done then it was like okay it's done but it was more of like a high i would say and then like the courage and the scariness comes like presenting it to the world but like in the process yeah. i don't think i felt that way really
1: how apprehensive are you when you write something and you're not sure you're cuz even You know, as well as I do and all other writers, sometimes you just aren't sure of yourself and you need somebody to go, hey, this is good. And you go, is it? Is it really? Like Even Stephen King tried to throw Carrie away and his wife was like, don't throw this away. (laughs) Do you still find yourself, you know, kind of going to people and saying, is this good? Or do you do you think you have a sense of like, I know when I'm when I'm on a hot streak? Yeah, I think because I I lean heavy on my wife. Yeah. (laughs) And I go, what do you think about this? And then sometimes she'll go, I think this is really good. And then I'll go, you don't know. Yeah, that's
0: what I was (laughs) going to say. Your wife doesn't know. Like, you know more. You have to know more than than your wife, right? About this, about writing. Yeah. That's the thing for me is like, I wanted my wife, Fiance, to be my ideal reader. And, but I take her like the avant garde stuff and she like doesn't understand, like, she doesn't even understand what's going on in the story. And I'm like, oh, like, you can't be my audio reader for everything.
1: Yeah, some of it is out there, man. I, and well, f- sorry, keep going. But yeah,
0: I think an audience kind of helps. Or I just check on how it's received, if it's accepted via submissions. Like, I grow more. I, I'm a continuously happy with the fact that before my work sees the light of day, it has to go through an editor who likes it and is really crazy about it. Like. I've sent so much stuff to magazines that's just like not very good, and I'm glad
1: that I was rejected. So yeah, I I almost want to make you get a copy of your book out and read the story out loud because I'm Don DeLillo. <laughs> oh yeah, that one only works if you know who Don DeLillo is, right? <laughs> but like. That's one that I think if somebody uh, just sat down and randomly opened to one, they might look at that and go, what's going on in here? (laughs) Maybe explain this one a little bit. And then uh, do you mind doing a a quick reading of it? No, I don't mind at all. Okay. So yeah, give us the little, what you're about to hear is.
0: What you're about to hear is a man who is a horse, uh, but also like. The son of Don DeLillo. I'm Don DeLillo. If DeLillo had a horse that was intelligent, and the horse had thumbs and rope beside DeLillo, if DeLillo taught the horse how to write, I'd be the horse. I'm DeLillo's horse, watch me write. If DeLillo had a horse inside a vacuum with no error or matter, I'd write in the vacuum. Through the vacuum DeLillo cared about my improvement. I am his horse, I am Don's pride and joy. At the racetrack, I will be so fast that I win medals and money. The horse who wins so much money that Don DeLillo will be upset. He never understood his horse. My father never understood me. But on the racetrack, I'm understood. I train my muscles so much that on the racetrack, I am the fastest horse in them all. And when I win, they'll call me Hughes. But I immediately changed my name to Lillard. The biggest and proudest of all the horses. No one was really sure where I came from. Don DeLillo's vacuum is where I came from. Wrote with nothing and no one knowing what I was doing and others wanted to be on the track early, but I let them pass me. Training in the track in the room alone with my muscles grow tall, grow tall. Now I feel good. Now I know what DeLillo wanted from me. Asked of me. Did not demand from me. Simply knew I would be.
1: Definitely emotion in that, but it's not a straight a to b type (laughs) beginning middle and storytelling so what is uh as far as the stories in there go that one i think is definitely one of if not the most like just playful in in terms of what you've done with it i agree where does where does this come from how to how how does this come out of you and like it's just it is it's 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 out there man where where does this come from I I don't know I don't know a better way to I don't to, know I don't to, know to, hey, man ask just, that question I know it's not a good ask but <laughs> I don't know man it just comes I just write it I don't know <laughs> so I mean did you particularly like that day was there a reason Don DeLillo was in your head or I think I probably recently read uh, White Noise so he was in my oh, okay. I like that story even more when you read it. Do, are you going to do an audiobook for this? Or is that already? I got to. I got to. Every, the stuff reads well. So I got to do it. I think I will. It really does. If you do an audio book, would you read it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I say some guys suck at reading their own stuff, but you did that well. Thanks, man. Have you done uh, many readings with this? or Well, probably not a lot yet because you're... Man, you know it, what? It doesn't... It hasn't been out yet your reaction i gotta do
0: dundalillo next uh, that's that'd be a good one to read i think yeah um i do do readings every now and then yeah i uh yeah yeah so i'm doing a reading if anybody's in los angeles i'll be doing a reading at stories books in uh like september or something in uh august there's a book soup reading which is the book launch and that will be actually September first. And then, um, so there's the book at book soup on September 1st. And then another time, uh, September 8th, there's a story of uh, reading at stories, which I think is in echo park.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then I'll put this out probably like a, maybe like a week before the release. So cool. all that information will still be fresh and relevant to, to people then. Excellent. Um, And then, uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty close to an hour. So do you, do you do you need to get going? Um I do have a back for blood um date with my friends which is a a video game that we are all looking forward to yep. playing so Oh, I thought you for a second I thought you were like all going to donate blood or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Uh, um, all right well I will start uh, wrapping this up which if anybody has listened to this podcast before usually knows that that means I'm going to keep going for another 20 minutes (laughs) but I promise I'm actually going to start wrapping it up this time I don't want to get in somebody's video game time because I I know how that I know how that goes. But <laughs> well, I've had a blast, man! Like I'm very grateful for your conversational skills. Well, thank you. I I love talking to you, and I'm I'm going to be thinking about what you said for a long time about your approach to writing, thinking about it like a video game, and how you can incorporate, you know, certain things within the framework of how they might occur in a video game, like that. That by itself, I think, is an essay right there. Yeah,
0: it's, it's true too, yeah, for me.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. Especially since a lot of people think you know of video gamers as being people who use all their free time playing video games and not doing something like writing. And I'll tell you a quick story before we get going. Um, a guy that I was in the Navy with, another guy who also I'm sure had ADD, um, and he played Dungeons, no not Dungeons, right, World of Warcraft, I was getting DOD and WW mixed up. Um, played World of Warcraft, and we had to go and get him out of his hotel room when we were getting on the plane to go to Iraq. Yeah, because he had slept in because he played World of Warcraft for 32 straight hours in his hotel room and then passed out on the bed with the laptop on his lap still. Wow. So yeah, yeah there's Bro. different levels of gaming some healthy and some not so much if
0: i ever if we ever talk again i want to hear stories about like your time what what was it in the navy
1: yeah that's yep. that's in really interesting so i'd love to hear that it, it was and it was not a super conventional navy life either because i spent like a total of maybe two weeks on three different boats and then all of my other time was deployed with a a bunch of army guys in Iraq. Was he, like, binging because he could never play World of Warcraft?
0: Like, so this was, like, his 32 hours where he could, like, <laughs> eke out his, like, what? what's the story there? Or was he just, like...
1: I think it's a little bit that, but also he was a, a backwoods dude from West Virginia. And he was like...
0: Man, when when I take uh, vacation,
1: I just play... with spent your vacation? Just playing World of Warcraft nonstop? He's like... Yep. Okay. <laughs> I
0: just sit there and I get a bag of Doritos and a two liter Mountain Dew and I play.
1: Yeah, He's like Cartman straight out of uh, that episode <laughs> of, of South Park when they were all playing World of Warcraft. Oh, classic episode. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he had his wife bring him a bucket that he could shit in so he could keep playing, but he was probably one step away from that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But all right, man. Um, yeah, I'd love to keep talking to you, but you know what? Next time you got something new coming out, let me know and we'll, uh, we'll do this again. Thanks, man. I really appreciate
0: you taking out the time to, to chat with me.
1: Yeah. And I don't know if it's your cup of tea or not, but, uh, I can, uh, I can send you a book either. I can send it to you or through Bradley or whoever too. I've been interested. So yeah, send it, send it my way. I'm always looking to like read
0: fantasy and sci-fi stuff. So
1: yeah. Awesome, man. Is there anything else that you wanted to leave people with? You know buy the
0: book if if you enjoyed this interview that would
1: mean a hell of a lot to me and yeah i hope you enjoy the book and you will because i don't have people on this podcast unless i actually enjoy the things that they do and i've read through high school romance i feel like i kind of fumbled my way through talking about it but i thoroughly enjoyed it so thank you for uh, getting that copy to me and coming on the show and talking to me
0: yeah man i hope you have a good rest of the night yeah all right ladies and gentlemen that was marston, marston hefner,
1: hefner. Good writer, good dude. Go check him out. High School Romance is the name of his book. Pre-order it if you're listening on the drop day of this podcast. Uh, And if you're catching up late to this one, then it's already out. Go get it right now. And buy my book while you're at it, too. All right, guys. Bye. Mwah. <laughs> Yeah man, yeah yeah, yeah man. Weird, right?